Welcome back to our study of the book of Philippians. We are looking today at Philippians chapter 3, verses 12 to 14. Let me read those verses for us and we will jump right in. Paul says, Not that I have already obtained this, or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own, because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Now, why would Paul feel the need to say there in verse 12 that he has not already attained what he is longing for and that he is not already perfect? What what is he talking about? Why does he feel the need to say that? Well, remember, as we saw last time in verses 10 and 11, Paul expressed his intense desire to know Jesus and to share in his suffering and to experience the resurrection that God has promised for all who belong to Jesus on the day of Christ's return. He says there at the end of uh, verse 11, that by any means possible, I may attain the resurrection from the dead. That's what Paul is longing for. And evidently, Paul was concerned that some of those who would have received this letter or heard this letter, that they would have thought that Paul had already experienced the resurrection, or at least in some way already experienced the glorification, the perfection that will take place at the resurrection. When we uh, are raised from the dead at Jesus' return, and we see him face to face, the Bible says we will be like him. We will be glorified. So we will be as perfect as it is possible for a human being to be. And for some, for whatever reason, Paul is concerned that some of the people that he's writing to would think that maybe he's already been privileged to experience this. And there are any number of reasons why they might think that. Um, it could have been because of uh, maybe the vision that Paul talks about in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, where he talks about a man in Christ who was caught up into the heavens and and so on. And we find out that that, that was Paul, right? He was talking about himself. Um, maybe they thought, you know, Paul has already seen the risen Christ. He's already been caught up into heaven. I mean, maybe this is, maybe, maybe he's already attained this. And Paul says, no, 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 no. I have not already attained this. I've not been made perfect. Another possibility is we see that in uh, one of, another one of Paul's letters, 2 Timothy chapter 2, we see that there were some who were saying that the resurrection had already taken place. So in 2 Timothy 2, uh, verses 17 and 18, he mentions these two men, Hymenaeus and Philetus, and he says about them that they have swerved from the truth, saying that the resurrection has already happened. They are upsetting the faith of some. So perhaps this same kind of teaching has gotten around in Philippi and uh, some of the people are thinking, you know, Paul has already experienced the resurrection. Paul has already been glorified. Paul is already perfect. And he says, no, that's, that's not the case. Uh, I have not already obtained this. It's something I'm still longing for, um, still desiring, but I've not been made perfect. Right? So uh, this may or may not be difficult for us to, to get our minds around, but maybe for some of us it's hard to think about the fact that even though Paul was an apostle, that he was inspired, he's writing uh, 
letters that are part of the Bible, that are God's word, God's speaking to us through him. And yet Paul remained uh, someone who sinned. He was not perfect. He didn't do everything perfectly. Uh, he didn't. He, he he felt and thought and did things that were sinful, just like you and I do. And so uh, he he was not perfect. He was not yet sinless. But he says, "I press on to make it my own." So I am pursuing the goal of getting to share in the resurrection, getting to be a part of that glorious moment when Jesus comes back and the children of God are uh, set free and glorified and see Jesus face to face. That's what I'm living for. That's what I'm longing for. That's what my whole life is aiming at. That's what, that's what drives me. That's what makes Paul tick. Now, how did Paul become that kind of person? Why is it that Paul is driven to live in such a way that he will get to share in the resurrection of Christ? Why is Paul so uh, bent on experiencing this moment? Uh, He says there at the end of verse 12, because Christ Jesus has made me his own. So because Jesus has claimed me, because Jesus has called me, because Jesus has saved me, because Jesus has made me his, now what I'm longing for is the day when Christ returns and I get to see his face and share in the resurrection and be glorified and dwell in his presence forever. That's what drives me because of what Jesus has done in me and for me. So because Jesus has laid hold of me, I can't wait for the day when I get to be in his presence. That's what Paul um, is saying there in verse 12. That's what is driving him. A a way to to sum that up is is to say this, that uh, when Jesus claims you, he changes you. When Jesus claims you, he changes you. When he says you're mine, when he draws you to him, when when you are summoned to faith in Christ and you respond, you you turn and you trust Jesus, uh, that's going to change a a whole lot about you. You become a new creation, right? You might you still look the same, right? You might still have the same personality, and there's you know no um, physical difference, but but on the inside, you've been made a new person. You have new loves, new desires, uh, things that you used to love, sinful things you used to love, now you hate. Um, things that maybe used to drive you crazy, you don't want anything to do with, like the Bible or church or whatever. Maybe now, uh, if you used to you know, despise those things or be frustrated by those things, now, now you love gathering with God's people, you love the Bible, you want to learn and grow. That's the kind of thing that Paul's saying. Because Jesus laid hold of me, now I am I am longing for, I am pursuing um, this resurrection when at Christ's return. So that's verse 12. Then verse 13 he says, uh, brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own. So he's saying again, look, I'm not there yet. I'm not perfect, not shared in the resurrection yet. I do not consider that I have made it my own. But one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal. Now, this is really important and, and really helpful. Right? How does Paul live? Paul says... What 
You know, he's, he's driven to pursue um, this desire to get to share in Christ, or in the resurrection that will come at Christ's return. Right, but uh, how does he live in the meantime? Well, the first thing he says is he forgets the past. Right, forgetting the past, forgetting what lies behind, uh, and straining forward to what lies ahead. So what does is, what is forgetting the past mean? Well, Paul, like many of us, had some things in his past that he would no doubt like to forget, right? Um, and j- just one example of that, right? Galatians 1.13, Paul says, before he became a Christian, he says, I persecuted the church of God violently and tried to destroy it. Paul didn't have sort of a neutral pre-Christian life. Like he was just sort of floating along, and then one day he met Jesus and he was saved and, and everything was great. No, Paul had been putting Christians in jail. Uh, he was there at the stoning of Stephen. Uh, he was pursuing people who, who claimed the name of Jesus as the Messiah and persecuting them. And so now that he's a Christian, he's got a whole lot of things that he did before Christ saved him that he's left behind. Right, that he's he's for, forgetting about that. Uh, he could spend all of his life thinking back over those things, beating himself up about those things. Uh, he he's forgetting what lies behind, right? And he's straining toward what lies ahead. He's pressing on. So his focus is not on all the things he did wrong in the past. His focus is on where is he headed now. Uh, those things in the past, they have been forgiven. Right? They, uh, they have been atoned for. God has dealt with them. And so now I, my focus needs to be on uh, what comes next. Right? My, my focus needs to be on what the end of my race is going to be on, not or, or what it's going to be like, not the mistakes I made early on in the race. Right? So his focus is on what lies ahead, not what... Uh, lies behind and what lies ahead is the resurrection that's the prize that's what Paul is aiming for that's what Paul is longing for now here he puts this pretty briefly but he expands on this a little bit in 1st Corinthians chapter 9 verses 23 to 27 he talks about how he runs the race and here's what he says he says do you not know that in a race all the runners run but only one receives the prize So run that you may obtain it. Every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable. So I do not run aimlessly. I do not box as one beating the air, but I discipline my body and keep it under control, lest after preaching to others, I myself should be disqualified." What is Paul saying there? Well, he's using this athletic imagery of running and boxing and self-discipline to say this is what the Christian life is like. It is a life of self-discipline. It is a life um, that is driven by a passion to reach a goal. Right? But the goal that we're uh, pursuing, the, the prize that we are hoping to receive is not, you know, some little piddly thing that you might 
win at a race, but we're talking about a eternal prize, right? An imperishable prize. And so what do we do? We discipline our bodies. We practice self-control. Uh, Paul says, this is, this is important here at the end of verse 27 in 1 Corinthians 9, lest after preaching to others, I myself should be disqualified. Now, we rightly emphasize that once you are saved, you are secure. You can't lose your salvation. But we also have to have a place in our theology, in our thinking about the Christian life, for statements like this, where Paul says, I discipline my body and keep it under control, lest after preaching to others, I myself should be disqualified. You mean Paul could do something to be disqualified? Even though he's been an apostle, he's been preaching to all these different people, he could end up ultimately disqualified from the reward? Yeah, that's what he says. So what does Paul mean? Another way to say this is, why is Paul so worked up about straining and striving and pursuing and attaining the resurrection from the dead? Why doesn't Paul just say, look, guys, Jesus has saved me, and I know he's coming back, and so I'm just going to kind of, you know, go along with life, waiting for him to come back. Why, why all this effort? Why all this pursuit? Why all this drive and passion? It's, again, going back to what we said earlier, when Jesus saves you, Jesus changes you. And to follow Christ does not mean merely that at a particular moment you decided to trust Jesus. Right? To follow Christ means you, at a particular moment or season of your life, you began to trust Jesus. But if that trusting in Christ is genuine, it will continue throughout the rest of your life until you reach the end of your life or Jesus comes back, whichever one happens first. And so if we are genuinely saved, then we are going to live in a different way. And we're going to live in a way that is governed by the knowledge that Jesus is coming back and we want to be ready. And, and we want to be as much like Jesus now as we can. Here's one of the ways the Bible says it. First John chapter 3, verses 2 and 3. I often quote verse 2. Uh, But verse 3 is really important as well. So verse 2 says, Beloved, we are God's children now, and what we will be has not yet appeared. But we know that when he appears, that means when Jesus appears at his resurrection, when he appears, we shall be like him because we shall see him as he is. So when Jesus comes back, we'll see him face to face and be transformed fully into his likeness. In our life right now, we are Uh, being transformed from one degree of glory to another. 2 Corinthians 3.18 says we're becoming a little bit more like Christ all the time. But when he comes back, we'll see him face to face and we'll be fully made into his likeness. But this is what he says next, or what John says next. 1 John 3.3 says, And everyone who thus hopes in him purifies himself as he is pure. In other words, if you are longing for the day when you get to see Jesus face to face 
and you are made like him, then right now you are already going to be purifying yourself, already be striving to become more like Jesus. And that's not a striving that you do on your own. It's a striving that God empowers and enables in you. Like Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15, he worked harder than all the other apostles, yet he says, it was not I, but the grace of God that is in me. It's just like Paul said earlier in Philippians chapter 2, uh, verses 12 and 13, where he says, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Not work for your salvation. Can't do that. God's already saved you. Work out that salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. So you've got to work out, you've got to live out the change that God has made in you, the new identity that he has given you. You need to walk in that, live in that, work that out. But know that as you do, it's not you now doing these things on your own. It is God at work in in you, giving you the desire, giving you the ability to live this new life following Christ. And so that's what uh, John is talking about in 1 John 3, 2. If you're longing for the return of Christ, you're going to be on your way to becoming more like Christ even now. And this is the passion that is driving Paul in verse 11 and verse 12 and verse 13 and verse 14. He is longing to be faithful. He is longing to live a full and faithful Christian life that means following Christ so that when Jesus comes back, he'll have no reason to be ashamed. He won't be disqualified, but he will um, be a, a genuine follower of Jesus. The fruit will be there. The proof will be there that he belongs to Christ. Right? Now, why does he say things like, Less after preaching to others, I myself should be disqualified. Why um, does he say? Why does he feel the need to press on? Right? Why not just see what happens? Why not just take life as it comes? Well, because there are ways that you can live after claiming to believe in Jesus that can actually demonstrate that you don't belong to Christ. Um, take. Galatians 5, 19-21. Paul says, The works of the flesh are evident, sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. Notice what he says, I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. So there's a way you can live that can disqualify you from the kingdom. Now, it doesn't mean that if you ever commit any one of those sins, that that means you'll never be, you'll never be saved or, or that you never were saved. What it means is if you live that way, if those things characterize your life and you don't repent, then those works, that lifestyle of living that way, shows that you're not really saved. You don't really belong to the kingdom. Here's another way... Uh, Paul says it, Romans 8, 13. He says, For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. Now, he, he's writing to Christians. If you live according to the flesh, you will die. And he's not just talking about physical death there. He's talking about spiritual death. He's talking about the consequences of sin. If you live according to the flesh, you will die. But 
If by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. In other words, if you are a child of God, you have the Holy Spirit of God living inside of you. And if you have the Holy Spirit of God living inside of you, you are going to make war against the flesh and not embrace the flesh. If your life is characterized by the works of the flesh, you're not led by the Spirit because you don't have the Holy Spirit because you're not a child of God. But if instead you are seeking to put to death sinful things in your life, you are uh, fighting against sin and temptation, that's something that you are able to do by the presence of the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit is in you because God has adopted you. He's the Spirit of adoption because you're a, a child of God. One more. Here's how Jesus says it. John 15, 1 and 2. He says, I am the true vine and my father is the vine dresser. So get the image. I am the true vine and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you, he said. And then he says this, If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. So anyone who claims to be connected to Christ but bears no fruit is taken away. Anyone who does not abide in Jesus is thrown away like a branch and withers and then is burned. Uh, So, in other words, it is possible to say, oh yeah, I believe in Jesus, and then keep going your way, not be connected to Jesus, not follow Jesus, not care about sin, not walk by the Spirit, not work out your salvation, and if that's the case, there's a lot of knots there, right? That indicates you're not really saved, you haven't really believed, but if you do believe, if you do belong to Christ, it's going to change the way that you live. And you may not be as, you know, as as zealous and outwardly passionate as Paul. I and mean, most of us read Paul and think, you know, man, he's like way up here and I'm I'm kind of lagging behind. It's not a matter of degrees, but are you on the same trajectory? Are you looking forward to the return of Christ? Do you want to be like Jesus? Do you want to share in his resurrection? Do you want to be in his presence? Do you want to be done with sin? Do you want to be glorified? Are you longing for that? Are you aiming for that? Are you seeking to live a faithful Christian life? That's what Paul is saying that he is doing, and that's what he wants us to be doing, and that's what, to some degree, all true Christians are doing. Again, you may look at Paul or look at somebody else that you really look up to and say, well, I'm not as godly as them, or I don't feel like I'm as passionate as them, or you know, maybe I don't read the Bible as much as them, or think about theological things as much as them. It's, it's not a matter of degrees, right? Because we're all at different levels of maturity. We have different personalities, etc. We, you know, in some sense, manifest our our faith in in slightly different ways. Same big picture, but all of us are different. It's not about degrees, but it's about trajectories. It's about paths. Which path are you on? Are you going your way or are you now going Christ's way? Are you trying to just get the most out of your life that you can, come what may? Or are you saying, I know Jesus is coming back and I can't wait for him to come and set all things right and I I want to be a part of that. I want to know him. I want to see his face. I want to be in his presence. I want to be totally free from sin. That's what he says. He's 
aiming for, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. That's what I'm longing for. So consider Paul's example. Maybe there's some things in your life where you are focused on the things that God has already forgiven you for, the the things that God has already cleansed you from, the things that lie in your past. Uh, Maybe you're too focused on those things. And, and what you need to hear from Paul is forgetting what lies behind and pressing on toward what lies ahead, right? You need to stop worrying about the stuff that God has already taken care of. Uh, press on toward what is coming. Look forward to the day of Christ's return. Believe the gospel. Believe that you've been forgiven and uh, strive with Paul to live a faithful Christian life by the grace of God, by the power of the Holy Spirit, looking forward with longing and joy and great expectation to the day of Christ's return. Amen.